0: Welcome to Kickback, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today, things haven't quite gone to plan, so we're going to try and freestyle and do something a bit different. So I'll be fielding uh, a few questions and in the studio today, instead of having like an incredible guest who everybody Jeez. knows. Um, it's going to be Ryan Hale, the producer. I it's,
1: walked into that one. Well, you, you
0: certainly did, yeah. You certainly did, but I think, I think we'll get through this. So uh, yeah. please feel free to fire away. Let me know what people want to know about.
1: All right, yeah, we open it up to the social media on real salt lake social media and want to know who's who's got some questions for uh for our, our center back here yeah so,
0: and, and the internet didn't break oh, like i thought it would do but, but it's
1: starting w- i mean there's uh definitely been some tremors here we got a couple big questions coming oh let's so, go let's go are you ready oh let's do this I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a couple of these these big ones at you here go on a responder cory baird 23.
0: corey baird 23. do i know corey baird 23. <laughs> oh is that the corey Baird? it
1: could be i mean it looks like it's got a picture of him
0: ah it's that corey Baird. okay okay um, question from
1: Corey Baird. Rumor hazard, has your guest bailed on you. Thoughts?
0: Well, the the theme of the show is to basically speak to special guests each week. Um, and currently I'm sitting across from you with no guest here. So as a consequence, yes, somebody did bail on me. But they'll be on very, very soon. And, you know, it's not the end of the world because now we can try something a bit different. So thank you for that question, Corey. You're a great guy. Hope you enjoy your international retirement. <laughs>
1: Well, as someone who's seeing your list of, of guests, uh, that's something to be excited about. So.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've got some people I'm really looking forward to talking to, and I think uh, I think a lot of listeners will be as well. There's some big names, some small names, but each person brings their own um, their own thing, which I'm looking forward to hearing.
1: All right, I got another one here from uh, Justin underscore Glad. Justin Glad. Justin
0: Glad. Ah, Justin Glad. Okay.
1: Any recent races you've had?
0: Okay. Well, this is a this is a good thing to talk about. So this was the first time in a while where I felt old. So as far as top speeds go in the team, I'm probably like top five or something, but tend to be closer towards the top. And we recently signed um, Douglas from the Monarchs to come and play with the first team. And he's like red hot fast, like incredibly fast. And uh, we had to do some sprints the other day in training, and he, uh, he just came over to me and said, uh, you um, know, do you want a race? And I know his top speed has been quicker than mine this season. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do this. So we had the race. Bear in mind, he's 22. I'm 32, turning 33 soon. So, you know, I'm at a different stage of my life. Um, he's never really had to carry kids. I've had to carry three. But we raced and I ran quite a good top speed, probably fifth, fifth best for me this year. But he absolutely smoked me, and he looked like he was relaxing by the side of me. So the moral of the story here is I don't do races anymore, and I think the time is really starting to draw in near where I'm not going to be racing youngsters, so I think I might have to leave the game. But, you know, it is what it is.
1: That does open back to that question you guys were talking about on the last episode about the old versus
0: young. Yeah, this I'd be more than happy to play up against Douglas's speed in a small field where he can't run faster than me. And I can use my experience to get out of a situation, but if it's going to be straight line, yeah, I don't think I'll be playing for much longer.
1: One of the comments you made at the press conference after the game about Damir not jumping. Yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> Demir is is he's, he's, he's a. I think he's a really good player, really top professional, but jumping is not his thing. I think the fact that he's six foot two gives him a strong advantage, and his desire to score goals means that he will score goals, especially with his head. But yeah, I've seen people who can jump out of a gym; they can never get their head to a ball. Then you see some people who've, who can barely fit a newspaper underneath their feet when they jump, but they score a lot of headers. And Demir is kind of one of those guys. And it's, it's good to have them in your team because they have that desire to score. But, you know, when it comes down to it and we do the jumps test, he's not really the type that's going to be up near the top. So we've got a question from
1: uh, Twitter here. Ryan W. Short, at Ryan W. Short, who jumps higher than you or
0: Demir? Me or Demir. Behave yourself. So uh, I think at the moment... At this at the time of recording I think I've got the highest um counter movement jump measured this year and if not I think it, it might be second I think it's like fifty five uh centimeters or something like that There are probably four of us in the 50 centimeter club a few more in the forties and then you've got people like Corey Baird who live in the thirties you know but thankfully you don't see him going for many headers
1: so how big a deal is that in in, in the locker room when you got these different little things that you can go I know that we we uh Last year we had uh, Tony Beltran and, uh, and Justin Glad were going back and forth on the who's got the highest, the fastest recorded time on, yeah. the, you know, on the little tracker and stuff like that.
0: You know, it, 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 it matters in terms of camaraderie and stuff like that. It's something to joke about and to try and make people more competitive, but in the grand scheme of things, in terms of our actual profession, it doesn't matter one bit. But when you know every Monday is coming, when you know the Monday is coming and the tests are going to be there, you don't want to see your name at the bottom of the list. And it's nice to sit at the top. I can say this from experience. It's nice to, it's very nice to sit at the top. But when you're at the bottom, say, I think it's Corey, there's Tate Schmidt, um, David Ochoa as well. They can, when they jump, you can barely see if they've actually jumped. So that's not necessarily when you, what you want to be associated with as such is it, as a, as an athlete, quotation marks.
1: Have you ever seen any player actually get left off a of lineup because of no, something
0: no. like that? Like an- a- no, no, no. Would, luckily for them, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It just depends how you play because there's no plenty thing. of players that can't run fast. But, you know, they can move well on the field anyway. It's just, it's just good fun. And I think going into the next season, we're going to have, um, I think we're going to have like a leaderboard around the gym of, say, the top highest recorded speed, most high speed running in a game, your vertical jumps, all this. So as soon as you make it competitive, people start actually realizing they can do a bit more than uh, than they would have done otherwise. And that's I think that's always a good thing, especially in a young environment like this.
1: Nice. Uh, well, we got a couple more questions coming. Actually, we got a couple of questions rolling in as we're talking right Ooh, now. So thanks to, th- thanks to those of you that are responding to our, nice.
0: our social media posts. This is the internet breaking now, then, yeah? All
1: right. On Instagram, I got a question from TG Martinez. Um, he says, What is football like at the Man City Academy that's different from the RSL Academy? I know this is something you've talked about kind of a little bit, but what I think what we're looking for what is the how are these American academies, how do they match up against these uh, uh, the ones from, you come from?
0: From the stuff that I've seen, I think most teams in England, in Europe, or whatever, have an academy. Whereas here, I don't think every every team does, do today.
1: Um, I don't think everybody does, but I think it's a majority now, which yeah. is probably new in the last two or three years. Yeah,
0: which is, which is different, because I remember when I first joined, which was in 96, I think it was, in Man City's academy, it was just turned into an academy, and that's when there was a big drive for like everyone had a youth team and all that stuff but they started to put more focus into it at that stage and now like in an academy in europe you could be eight years old and playing representing that team i think it's big compared to elsewhere i think it's bigger business now outside of the states because a lot of players are being bought and sold at 13 14 15 years of age and that's because the the product that is there you know is of such a good standard and there's so much' I'll say there's so much money in it. Like I remember at one stage when I was younger, agents would start to appear once you came in full time at sixteen, seventeen. But now you could have someone that's fourteen years of age that's kind of with an agency already. I don't know if it's legal for them to be with them, but they're helping them make decisions from that age because that's essentially when a career begins. So I don't really feel that's the same sort of energy here as such. And you know the the RSL Academy is doing well. It's competitive on the national stage. It's competitive on the international stage when other teams come here. But I suppose it's the it's the reach. Some academies now, they're buying players. Whereas I don't think that's necessarily the case here. And it's a career path, but then I wouldn't see many people in England that would go through the Academy stages here and then they go off to college for a few years, then they come back and stuff like this. Back back home, you literally play in the academy and if you get to like seventeen, eighteen, maybe nineteen and you've not progressed towards the first team, you just gotta be on your way.
1: I I mean, I think it's pretty well accepted that there's there's shortcomings in the you know the the soccer progression in yeah. the United States just because of the way that things have you know it's not quite as established as a sport here but we had Luke on a few weeks ago um and Luke's somebody who grew up in England but then came through the US college system mm-hmm. um so that means that he's making his debut as a pro in his mid 20s yeah. versus someone like you who made it in your teens yeah. do you think that there's any could there be any advantage to not breaking through to that level
0: later um I think it just depends on the person and the club's needs. So when I first came through at Man City's academy, myself and a few others, we were lucky enough to break through because the club was different to what it is now. So I don't believe that the majority of us were as good as people, say like a Phil Foden or so on, who are knocking on the door of the first team now at Man City. But the club was different to a point then when we were a more physical side. We weren't the most technical side. You need to be able to stand up, be counted as a man and be able to just you know not be a weak link within the team so as a consequence it felt like if you had physical advantages you would break through sooner and then you could see whether or not you're going to make it and you develop that other side of it whereas now the way that academy is you need to be technically superior of so many other people to get the chance to even train with the team like being quick or strong or whatever isn't going to be good enough to get you training with the first team so as a consequence it's not going to get you even the chance to progress through the academy I think they recruit differently now um, so I suppose the age thing you know that is I will always find it difficult to understand how people do start from an older age here when they could start from younger but that's just the way that the system is and I think you do miss out on some good years of um, of playing football but then in the same breath you get an education as well so to be leaving university with a degree or something like this it's not something you should ever turn your nose up at. but I, I like the feel of starting a career from 17 through to 20 and then seeing how far you can go with that
1: yeah um. Couple more questions here from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, philosophy, I think it's Phil um, on Instagram. He asks, "What's the experience been like working or being on a club that is closely tied into a women's team?"
0: Uh, it's interesting that he asked that question. seeing as <laughs> though he did used to work with them. <laughs> okay. um, I've enjoyed it to be honest. I've enjoyed it, but then it's also the I enjoy working with the Monarchs as well. Do you know what it pains me to say Monarchs. Can I say Monarchs? Yes, uh, yeah, say it pains it. me. To, it's like the Monarchs as well. So I like how everyone is essentially under the same roof, although we know we train with where the men train, but we play where the women play. It's good to have a shared interest, if you know what I mean. It's something else that you can check for. It feels like it's one big family in, this, in the state. And as well, being a guy who, who has daughters, who I'd like to be involved in sport, it's good that you can come across this person and that person and talk about their career, and they can, in the future, you know, talk to... Talk to my kids and say how they got to there, how they got to this and just every time it's, it's on TV I say I, I say to my eldest daughter Amaya, I say, Oh look, what what's this on TV? She says, oh, it's footballs and I say, Oh, who's playing? And she like, Oh, it's the women, it's it's the Royals, it's the Royals And it's good that she can see that it's not just men that do the things that, you know, elsewhere only men do and here it's the stadium which she's been to as well. So she knows the experience and it's um yeah, I, I've, I love it actually. I love it. It's not something which you'd essentially get in many other places around the world, but if you can get it, I think it's, it's a lot more of an, enjoy, of an enjoyable experience.
1: You know, seeing the integration between the teams and seeing like the the co branded type of thing. And, yeah. You know, there's something big about that. Yeah. And definitely. I can say too, being having this perspective where I sit, you know, I'm here listening to you guys record these podcasts. One of those first moments when Rachel was recording her podcast and she invited you on, and just having the, the idea of having a, a pro center back from the men's team and a pro center back from the women's team sitting and having a discussion. Like, I've never seen that before. I think that's just an amazing thing. Yeah, it's,
0: it is really cool. And the way that everything is together, even like when you start bringing in the basketball team and stuff like this as well, it does feel like everyone in this space is working in the same direction. Instead of having just, you know, you're not fighting for attention. It's like you're all coming up together. The more success that the teams have, the better it is for everybody. And it definitely feels like that, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. All
1: right, so let's uh, let's go a couple. Of, there's a lot of questions coming about music. I hope you're ready for yeah, that. Yeah, let's fire away. I couldn't help but notice uh, both the songs that you mentioned on your podcast are this last week, we're playing during warm-ups. Oh, were they? Yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, so I don't you think I don't, I've been brainwashed? Is I, that what you say? I don't know if you've been brainwashed, or if, if you're starting to brainwash our our DJs
0: up there <laughs> The more people that listen, the better it is, eh? The more people, yeah.
1: Um, so a question here from Facebook. Um, they said they want to know your your pregame playlist is, but give me give me a couple of songs, a hit, like let's let's uh let's kind of flush this out there. Let's give three or four songs to go that are going to be on your playlist in Minnesota this weekend.
0: Ah, uh, okay. So it's a tricky one for me because I do love my music. But I'm in a very awkward situation with that where I'm more social than someone who tries to just take the energy for themselves. So I would listen to music. I've got lots of music that I'd like to listen to. But every time I sit in the locker room with my headphones on, people are like, Oh, what's wrong? Is he okay? Is he okay? And like I'm usually hosting quite a few conversations, as in holding sorry, holding quite a few conversations throughout the build up to a game. So if I, if I step away from that, it's a different type of energy. So um, at the moment, there's a guy called Conway, who I, he just released an album, I think, yesterday, which I'm listening to. Uh, and I have a playlist, which I just made for an old teammate called Junior Hoyler, Canadian International, um, which is a lot of the stuff which we've been listening to throughout this year, which you might have heard from like Dreamville to, you know, for example, the new Kano album, uh, is, an, is a UK artist and I think he's probably top 5 UK artist of all time for that genre so I've been listening to him quite a lot because I, I, as I get older or as I've gotten older I've started to listen to slightly more grown music like I like the younger stuff where it's you know you're not really caring about the lyricism and it's the beat that's nice and all this stuff but all that stuff sounds great in a nightclub but when you're like 32 years of age with 3 kids you don't really find <laughs> find the opportunity to hear that very often so I kind of like to hear what sounds good in my headphones as I'm laying on my sofa drinking um you know, hot chocolate or something like that.
1: Um, so I got a question here from, from Everett from Provo. Um, you talk about some of your interests from UK in the UK music, but has being in America influenced your taste in
0: American music? Um, I don't think it has overall, because I did like to do my research anyway. Like if, it, if the genre is hip-hop, I listen to hip-hop from everywhere around the world. Not necessarily just like if I was in England, I wouldn't solely listen to English hip-hop. Like I, as I say, the spread is there. The only thing that's different really is the fact that it's like, you can't escape it here they don't really play stuff from the uk as much but most of the stuff that gets played i know about anyway i think the biggest change really has been um to have it, because of having a slightly more uh, latin um what's the word a latin feel in, in the locker room so they play a lot of music which i wouldn't have chosen to listen to uh, i couldn't name you all the artists and all that stuff but you know you know the sound i'm talking about it's not reggaeton but it's a certain sound that's like similar to that if you know what i mean and that's Hearing that more, that's influenced me to listen to that a bit more. But overall, no, I don't think I don't think it's influenced it. My, I like still like what I like, but I just happen to hear a lot more of it now.
1: So you'd be spinning Taylor Swift no matter where you were.
0: Listen, Taylor Swift is going to be with me to the bitter end.
1: All right, let me see wife little... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> For the record, Taylor Swift is my guilty pleasure. It's not my actual. She's not my actual pleasure. Pleasure, you no, know, right. like if she plays. I- I'll be like, well, you know, it's Taylor Swift. That's fine. That's fine. But I'm not necessarily going to be searching through my iTunes library for it. <laughs>
1: yeah, sure. All right, I got another one coming in on Instagram from Mark Mullen W. How do players deal with retirement?
0: That is a very, very good question. And I think it's pretty much on a case to case basis. So I was, for me personally, I was lucky enough to be in a locker room full of older players when I was first coming through. And that was pretty much the case until I was maybe like 25. No, no, until I was like 27, say. So I was always listening to the conversations that people were having about the end and preparing for it and so on. So I always felt like I had the edge in that way in terms of preparing for it. Whereas for most players, you never really see the end coming. You never know how long your career is exactly going to last for. You never know when your biggest contract is going to be. You never know how long you're going to be staying at Football Club for. because you always just say one bad moment away from losing everything. So for me, I, as I say, I I started planning for it from 25, which seems really young, but being 32, about to, to turn 33, I feel it's really beneficial because I know that any moment now I could stop and, I could, and I've got the things in order to help me live the rest of my life. Because a, a career is great, but if you live to even just be an average age, that's a lot of years still to come, which you have to prepare for, and the money's not going to be the same, the schedule's not going to be the same that the real world and the football world couldn't be any further apart sometimes. But I was lucky enough, as I say, to be surrounded by people who were preparing for that. So to take in bits of knowledge from them and to understand how they felt at that age was great. But then in the same breath, I've had some people who, by the time they get to 30, 31, they've never invested in anything, they've never saved any money. They've spent all their money and that's fine, you know, each their own, that's fine. But then the money that they're spending—it's getting them used to a lifestyle in which they're making X amount of money per week, per month, per year, and there aren't many jobs in the real world which would be accessible to people like that from when they stop. So when all of a sudden things do stop, like what do they do next? Like I think the, uh, I think they say the d- the divorce rate with footballers is like its highest in the first year, or six months to a year after they retire because things suddenly change, the lifestyle has to change, and all this stuff, and it's it's. It's hard, as I say. I feel like I'm prepared for it, but I don't think a lot of people are. And I think it's more so because the game um, here, not as much. But back in England, from a very young age, all you ever seem to be, all you ever seem to be taught to do is how to be a professional, which is great for while you're playing. But then, as soon as you retire and you have to step away and enter the real world, you don't really have a lot of real world experience. And I think that's probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people which is why some people will never leave the game they'll go from being a player to a coach to a kit man to being security it's like they can't escape the game for as much as they love it you know they love it because they don't know anything else and they fear everything else and that's you know that's a tough place to be so you've talked on this with uh with your guests about
1: you want to be the guy that helps you know the younger players and just in the locker room that kind of stuff who are some of the guys that you look to that say hey did this they they retired with class they retired and they didn't you know those things didn't happen they had they had planned for it and they were in a good place who do you
0: look to for that example um so from when i was younger you know i did have a few of the older generation who struggled in transition to begin with some people turning towards like drink and so on but then as time passed, I think the best example really would be someone like a Jermaine who's a who was a very, very good player and his career finished. I think he might have been 31 when he finished. But now hes he feels like he's bigger now in the world of media than he was as a player. He's doing all the big national um, sports shows. He's doing documentaries. He's doing this. He's doing that. And he was ready for it. As I see him because I, I, would, I would like to enter that sort of media world when I'm done. But to look at him and to look at how successful he has been, and he's worked hard to get there. You know, it's, it's, that's I think that's real inspiration because as I say he just his career just stops just in an instant based on an injury, but the transition between that, between when his career stopped and then his new one started, it was almost seamless. So I think he he's the best example for me at the moment. But there are still one or two people where it's happened to same thing with Joni and Les um, Micah Richards now who's working for Man City. Both of those two are working back at Man City and they're also doing the media work as well. And, you know, they, they're they showing that there is more to come. Obviously, it helps to have good relationships, but, you know, they're not struggling. They're not desperate to find something that wouldn't necessarily suit them. They've thought it through and they have now fallen into places which they've probably been preparing for for a year, two years anyway. So, yeah, they're, they're my inspirations. Um, as part of the reason that there's no it doesn't feel like there's a lot of
1: support for a lot of these younger players is because they're not guys that are looking for support at that point?
0: It's, uh, you know, probably, probably. But then that's when, you know, this, I don't, I don't want to rant about this generation or this time in the world, but this time now you've got access to the most information. You can, we, could, we could make a call right now and just speak to a million people on the other side of the world. Like, that stuff's easy now. Yet still a lot of people still believe that they know all the answers in their own little environment. But it's not necessarily the case. You have the most information. It's all readily available to you, but a lot of people choose to turn it down, like you say. But then I think those people in the game in sport in sport, you know, they exist in real in just regular life as well. So it's not necessarily something that's specific to sport. People like that just exist and you can't necessarily demand that everybody think the same way because that would never work. Some people are just more clued into what life is, whereas others are more clued into what sport is. But I think the real skill is being able to manage manage both and as a consequence live a life which you want to live instead of one which you have to live based on the bills and the people that come knocking at your door
1: yeah, interesting so let me take it this way there's a there's been several on, a, on all of our different outlets there's been a lot of questions going on this and, and this is a heavy topic I'm going to get into here but
0: um nothing too heavy here let's go
1: <laughs> racism has been kind of a hot button issue well, it's always I mean not not recently I'm going to yeah I understand this. yeah um so in the last, in the news, in the last couple of weeks here, there was an incident with uh, with Lukaku in yeah. Italy, and you know different different things have been going around in around the country here. That's you know it's kind of taken another like people are. It's in the news a lot. It's a good way to ask this question. How the, does, how do does, you know
0: there is no good way to ask the question, but I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's it's a good setup for the topic, and I have lots of different ideas and feels about the topic. But unfortunately, like change isn't going to come fast. I believe that. There are certain generations of people who think a certain way because of the way that they were raised and the way they were taught by the other generation. And we've seen historically that the world wasn't a great place at certain times, and that's you know that's disappointing. To the way that certain people could think certain things about certain other human beings is is truly incredible. But then you fast forward to today, and for as much as you have um, some people who still think that way, it feels like there are there are also more people who think the exact opposite way people who aren't like me, who will fight for me. But again, they're kind of still in the minority. And when you are a minority in any situation, whether it's being of a different ethnicity, being of a different faith, being from a different country or whatever, to get the attention of the majority, it's almost like you have to speak to them in a certain way because unless they're affected, they're not going to realistically try and make change in your favor. Because as I say, if you live your life day to day and nothing troubles you, why would you want to be making change for someone who feels that like they're troubled? Especially if you don't see it. And the thing is, I think um, perspective is such a big thing, and a lot of people aren't prepared or just don't think that there's another view to anything. So if I say something offends me, like I'd, I'd hope that people would listen to that instead of someone saying, "Well, you shouldn't be offended because it's not it's not offensive." You know, that's that's a big thing, but unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in, and especially not when people uh have access to say stars and stuff whether it's in a stadium whether it's on social media and so on and people will express some views which are inappropriate and unacceptable but they still feel they can do it because they don't think they're doing any wrong like most people if you were to call them a racist because they did something which was racist they'll say that it wasn't racist which is a big point in the whole argument like that's a real big issue so more people are being educated, and I believe that it will get better with time because we're in a society now whereby for younger people, the way that they're being raised is overall is in a more diverse environment, whether it's to do with different ethnicities or people from different genders or sexualities or whatever, like it's more normal now to see different types of people. Whereas at one stage it wasn't, but unfortunately, some of those people still be, be getting taught by the older generations who have the older views and so on and so forth. Okay. It's, not for, it's not for someone to say that they don't see colour, for example. It's like, I want you to see my colour, I want you to see where I'm from, I want to tell you where I'm from, I want to tell you my story, but I don't want you to treat me differently to the next person. I just want you to appreciate that I am who I am, and I'm proud of being that. You don't want everyone to be the same. You just want, as I say, you just... Well, The sad thing is to put it, legally, everyone's the same, but culturally people aren't. And you can change laws, but you can't really change the way that people think about other people without finding the right way to do it. And unfortunately for, say, people like myself and other people who have been abused, how do you, what is the right way? Because for centuries, we've not been able to find the right one so far.
1: I'm going to come at this from like this, like in a soccer stadium in the supporters, like we had the supporters section, you got the fans, you got everybody there. Um, and what they're trying to do is, you know, help their team get an edge. And sometimes yeah. it's like by pushing buttons and trying to get you to react to something on the field, if somebody can say something in the stands that changes the way you are yeah feeling on the field uh what do you do to to um overcome that and how do you show leadership and how do you help other people on your team not be affected in situations like that where that's the intent is to like make you
0: yeah i think i think it's difficult And sorry one point which i forgot to make just before is with things like discrimination racism so on one of the biggest issues it has is that when it's associated with sport it becomes a back page issue as opposed to a front page issue which is something i found when i was in england Like, it'd be a massive back page issue, but the back pages change on a day-to-day basis because there's always a new sporting event that's happening, or has just happened. So it's only big until the next big game comes, whereas it should be something which sits at the front page, because it's not just to do with sport, it's to do with society, but it never sits there, so as a consequence, at some stage it will get swept under the rug, so it feels like it's a hot topic, when it should just be like a topic on society. Um, but yeah, in terms of people saying stuff from the stands, I, agree grew to a, to a point where I didn't really care what anyone said from the stands. Like I found it hilarious, but if someone thinks that they, that's the right thing to say to try and rile someone up, then, you know, it's different. Like you can say other things apart from really over the top things, which should th- in theory get you in significant trouble. Like call me this, call me that, but don't call me that. Don't say that because that goes beyond, um, yeah, that goes beyond just trying to gain an advantage for your team because no one in your t- if you if someone that you're supporting would have heard you say what you say if they would have been disappointed with what you said then maybe it's the wrong thing to say and I think that's the way that fans overall should should view things because you know then it's it's good to be in a hostile environment but not to be in one which is crossing any lines.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for um, going through that. That's a I mean I don't think anybody's gonna solve these issues this you know right now but I think the fact that we have a group of people that are working towards. You know, identifying and trying to help. You know, we're just here to watch soccer and here to you know love each definitely. other. So let's. Uh, you know, I think that definitely. Yeah, knowing your point of view really helps. That. Um, let me lighten things up just a little bit here. Question coming in from Shyla on Facebook: Backstreet Boys or New Kids on the Block?
0: See, that's the biggest question of the whole day so far, <laughs> and considering this is what I'm going to be tarnished with forever, um, I'm going to stick my neck out and say Backstreet Boys with a lot of conviction. Way way better than New Kids on the Block
1: that's a, a that's a big thing uh what are any of those backstreet boys doing right now does that matter you know the, it, i don't think
0: i don't think it matters now because if they were still doing the same thing as they were doing 20 years ago then it'd look creepy because they're in the 40s and 50s well,
1: i think they are because I, I did see billboards i think they were in utah just a few weeks ago
0: well yeah but even the name like you think a name would evolve over time but then i suppose backstreet men sounds a bit more creepy doesn't it <laughs>
1: backstreet guys yeah the, the, the
0: backstreet the back guys see you in utah whatever nah i don't I don't think that's going to fly. But in that era, I think I I probably spent more time listening or hearing, I won't say listening to, more time hearing Backstreet Boys, the new kids on the block.
1: Nice. All right. um, So Skits Beats on Instagram, Mm -hmm. uh, who has some involvement in this this, uh, show already. Yeah.
0: He's the first thing you hear.
1: Yeah. What's the difference you've witnessed in career between good, solid people and bravado arseholes? Yeah.
0: Sorry, you said it the English way. (laughs) Um, You know, that's a good question because... There are lots of different ways to uh, view the people that have played that I've played alongside, because there's some people who are real standout people on the field and off the field, but then there's certain people who play a certain way on the field and play a game off the field. But I probably have a core group of maybe fifteen to thirty people who I've played with across the years who are like the type of people who exist outside of the football world because they're real legit, hardworking. Nice, normal people, and that's something that I aspire to be, or something that I try to be. Whereas there are other people who, every time they wake up, they're not prepared to like listen to anyone unless somebody's telling them how great they are. Even though realistically, the game, the game of football, will always continue whether you're in it or not. Like even some of the icons of the 90s and 2000, like Gerrards and Lampards and so on, they were like the best players England had ever seen. But then as soon as they both retired, the team still carried on just fine, and they went on to win other things. Which is crazy because at the time when they're playing, they feel like there's nothing bigger than them. And I'm not saying I'm not talking about their personalities. I'm just talking about their stasis within the game. So other people who then come in who aren't as good as them, who say, oh, I'm this, I'm that. Like, you're not this, you're not that. And then they're a lot of quite selfish. It can be a very, very selfish industry from the point where, say, certain people might be getting bullied in a locker room to, you know, people will literally throw the next person under the bus just to make sure that they get to where they need to get to. I've seen loads of those people across the years and they're absolute agony to play with. But the strength is in knowing that that's what they are and never really getting too sucked in by it. But yeah, there's I'd probably say overall now, there are more good people, especially here. There's loads of great people here. Um but certain places I've played by the time I'd left by the time I was leaving England there were probably like two or three people who were like only in it for themselves. But then there are other people who are obviously looking after themselves but also look after you in the locker room as well if you're a good guy. And I think the game over time has started to fill more with good guys, which is always a good thing. That's good to hear.
1: Um, well, we've got lots of
0: more questions here. Maybe
1: we can save these for another episode.
0: Yeah, sounds good to me. Sounds good to me, yeah.
1: Um, I think the response was great. I um, you know, you got some fans here. They really want to know, pick your brain. So Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, this obviously I guess didn't quite make it on today. But this is this has been fun, and I think if people like it, then uh, then let us know it.
1: Well, let me let me ask you one just before we go to this, just because this is something that came up. I remember when uh, uh, one of the reactions to this podcast is like, "There's an active player doing a podcast." Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? Why is this something that you want to do? And, and how is this like? How is this panning out? We've been doing this for a couple months now. How, what?
0: It's you know, for me, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Um, really thinking about the guests that I would like to speak to, and the guests that. I think people would enjoy listening to. I could I could in theory pick out just all the big names and all this stuff big names here and so like big names elsewhere and so on and it could you know gain traction and just be big but I want to have conversations with people and learn something or just you know just have fun have fun with it and as I say as I said before I would like to be working in media when I'm finished playing. So it's a good opportunity for me to try and gain some of the skills required to do what I'd like to do going forward. But yeah, it's the the beauty of, sports having a podcast is like, you you have a platform, so you can try and affect change with certain things or just try and give something which is different. Because for my whole career, I've always felt that some of the best stuff you might be able to get from people would be, say, if you mic someone up in training, because you can actually see what training is like and hear what people are saying. Because the game viewed from the stands or as training session viewed from the stands is different to when you can kind of feel like you're down there as well and hearing the little things, it's little nuances in life that make the biggest difference, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, And I'd like. I'd always thought that if you could see some of the people that I've played with and you could see them for what they are, I think people would like them a whole lot more than, say, the type of person who's only out on the field and the one who scores 50 goals a season, you know, it's great to be the hero, but they might have no personality whatsoever. I'm not saying that that's what's happened in my career or anything, but some of the biggest personalities aren't necessarily some of the biggest stars. But once you have a microphone on a platform, you can see who's who and you can see people for really what they are. And I think the way that the podcast have gone has gone, people have been really honest. And as a consequence, you know, you can see what someone is. I don't want this to be like an interview where, you know, nothing really gets said, even though you could be talking for thirty minutes. I'd rather people just feel comfortable enough to talk about things. As if they're just talking to me and they're talking to people that they know instead of always worrying about well is this going to go out and is this going to get me in trouble well no there's no trouble here it's just good times well i'm glad you decided to do this it has been a lot of fun no thank you thank you for giving me the opportunity so because i've been getting pressed about music like really really pressed because i always say like this is a music podcast but we don't really talk about music and nor do i name any songs uh i'm going to have to throw some songs out there now actually tell a lie i won't throw some songs out i'll throw an album out there and the album which i'm currently listening to which is a bit after beating track is by Earthgang and it's called Mirrorland. Give that a listen. Let me know what you think. Send a voice memo to digital.rsl.com and just reach out to Real Salt Lake on all major social media platforms. And with that, um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, producer Ryan, for stepping up to the microphone. I think you need to do a bit more work, but you know, you might be back again. Who knows? Wow. Thank you very much. Till next man. time.
1: It was a lot of fun.